Well, Christmas is over. The radio stations, most of them, it seems, have already changed away from Christmas music and gone back to the regular music for the year. Your family and friends have already probably gone back home. Uh, many of you have already started working again. If you haven't, you'll probably start tomorrow. Right? Christmas is over. The kids, maybe they've already thrown their toys into the bottom of their toy chest. It's just gotten lost in the shuffle. Maybe some have even broken. Christmas is over. But today, we're reminded of the fact that the message, the joy, the peace of Christmas is not something that, that dissipates like, like it does today. Um, today, what we see is, is a lesson where a few days after Jesus' birth, he went to the temple. He went to <clears throat> the temple to follow the Old Testament ceremonial rites of circumcision, of purification for the mother. They went there, and Simeon and Anna saw her and In particular, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Savior before he died. And when he saw this baby come in, he praised God. And he wasn't frustrated that he missed the very first Christmas. Because he knew that, that that very first Christmas only meant that the joy and the peace that we have was only going to grow. And I pray that that's something that we can remember too today. As it seems as if the joy and peace of Christmas seems to be dissipating, I pray that it only grows in our hearts as we consider this lesson. We see Simeon and Anna praising their Savior who was born. This is again what Simeon says when he holds with his own arms and sees with his own eyes the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He starts by saying, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Do you know when we speak these words, when you hear these words in the service? It's usually what we sing right after we take the Lord's Supper. We call it the nunc dimittis. The Latin for you now depart in peace. Dismiss your servant in peace. Um, and I guess the, the question we have to ask, well, what kind of peace is he referring to? Simeon is typically depicted by every artist I have ever seen as a very old man. Um, you can see on the cover of your bulletin, the cover of your bulletin I put on one of my favorite religious pictures. This is uh, called Simeon's Moment. And there, too, he looks like an older gentleman, doesn't he? And the reason why artists usually look at him like that is because it's, it's simply because of the, what's spoken here in the Bible, where it says that he would see the Savior. God promised him that he would see the Savior before he died. And so it's assumed that the man was very old, that he was almost close to dying. But that's not exactly what the Bible says, is it? We don't know whether he was a very old person or if he was maybe middle-aged. And my point is simply this. He says again that dismiss your servant in peace. What kind of peace was he referring to? Was he referring to the peace that he could only have in death when he was in heaven with his Lord? Or was there a peace on earth that he was right now enjoying because he was holding the Savior in his arms? Or was it simply a peace that he would have to wait for someday in heaven? If you remember, just a few days earlier, we heard that message that the angels sang when that child, Jesus, was born. Do you remember the song that they sang? 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. On earth peace, right? What kind of peace do we have here on earth? It's interesting because if you look at the news right now, it looks like we have anything but peace here. The protests, right? The protests that are going on, it seems as if it all started in Ferguson, Missouri, but the reality is that that was simply the spark that ignited the racial tension that has existed in this country for quite some time. The two NYPD cops who were murdered a week ago. And then we think about the threats of terrorism that are going on as well in our very country. That's just what's happening right here in America. It only gets worse when you look at the world news about what's going on in China, in Palestine, in Israel, about what's going on in Egypt, in in Russia, in North Korea. It doesn't seem like we have peace on earth like this, like it was promised and like Simeon was proclaiming. What kind of peace was he referring to? And maybe if you think about your own lives too, you think, well, I have anything but peace in my own life. It feels, in fact, like it's more like war. Maybe you feel like you have war with your spouse, war with your friends, war with your family members, some feuds that are going on, war with your co-workers. And maybe war is a harsh word, but it's definitely not peace. And even in verse 34 in this lesson, it seems almost contradictory because of the peace that he was, that Simeon was proclaiming. It talks about the very opposite of peace. It talks about division. He says this in verse 34, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What he's saying is you can't ride the fence between Jesus. You either have to be for him or against him, an enemy of God or a child of God. There's no middle ground. And so some of you know what that means. Maybe you personally have experienced persecution. You know at least what uncomfortable arguments or uncomfortable conversations there can be about religion in in this city. What kind of peace were those angels singing about? peace on earth? What kind of peace did Simeon declare and what left him overjoyed? Listen to what the rest of what Simeon says. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He literally saw salvation. Do you you remember what the word Jesus means? He saves, right? Salvation. He saw with his own eyes. He goes on, which you have prepared in the sight of all, pe- of all people. The message of the Savior wasn't a message that was going to be kept under wraps or only for the elite to see. No, this would be a message that would be for all people, for everyone. This child was so important, it would be for everyone to the point where it even says that he would be a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for, to your people, Israel. See, Simeon, who is... Simeon, who is here, is not named in our lesson as a chief priest or a teacher of the law. He's named, actually, in verse 25 as simply being a man, just a guy, but, but a guy who knew very well the Old Testament. He knew it well enough that he understood what the prophecies in Isaiah mentioned when it says that this Messiah who would be born would not just be a Messiah for the Jews, but would be a Messiah for all people, for the entire world. 
See, the Jews had the gospel. They had the light. There were many more people like Simeon and Anna who were waiting for this Messiah to be born, to come into this world. But the Gentiles didn't have that. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the promised Messiah. They weren't waiting for it. They, they didn't know about the story of Adam and Eve and how our relationship with God had not just been splintered but completely broken. They didn't know about the barrier of sin. They didn't know how far away they were from God. And they didn't know how helpless they were in restoring their relationship with God. They were in the dark. And this child would be a light for those people who are in the dark. The entire world, the Jews and Gentiles. So again, what kind of peace was Simeon and those angels referring to? He was talking about a kind of peace that we can have with our God. A relationship with our God. Peace with God. See, thankfully, Jesus is not like a genie who comes and grants you whatever wishes you want. No, our Savior, when he came in this world, he, he didn't want you to decide what kind of peace you would decide. Because if it were up to you, what kind of peace would you decide on? Maybe we'd decide on financial peace, and so we'd ask our Lord for money. Maybe we would decide on family peace, and so we'd ask for no more arguments in the family. Maybe we'd decide on, on peace in our workplace. But see, our Savior knew our greatest need. And if he would have given us anything else, it would have been like a, a doctor diagnosing a, a person with cancer and putting on them a band-aid. So what our Savior did is he cared for the greatest need that we have and restored our relationship, brought peace between us and God. That was a peace that we could not establish by ourselves. Um, I, I had talked to a, a family quite a while ago who had recently lost a loved one. And they had said to me, and this, this family, I'm not really sure if they were Christian or not. It didn't sound like it from what they said. But they told me that their father, before he died, he made peace with God. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. He made peace with God before he went away. I want to be clear, we cannot make peace with God. That's not something we can do. We aren't able to do that. That's why this child came into this world, to make peace with God, to, to make peace between us and God. That's what our Savior came to do. And he did that by shedding blood for us, not just someday on the cross, but it really all started right here. On the eighth day of his life, when he went to the temple to be, sac- to be circumcised, Shedding of blood started there. It would only grow as he went finally to the cross and the shedding of blood would be poured out for the sins of the entire world. Our salvation started there. Our Savior, too. On that day when he went to the temple, he started living according to the laws that God had set down for the Old Testament people. He was circumcised on the eighth day. And from that time on, he continued to follow all the laws of God. And so when God looked down at this world and saw a world of sinful people, he saw just one person, one person, who was living according to God's commands. And that's why it says in verse 40 that the grace of God was upon him. God looked with favor on him because he was the one person who was living perfectly. 
But in order to make peace with God, what our Savior did was he took that perfect life, that life on which God favored, and he gave it to us and instead made war with God. And God punished him with all the wrath of God because all of our sins were on top of him. Instead of God looking on his son with favor, he looked on us with favor and still does today because of the Savior. Simeon and Anna got to see with their own eyes, got to hold in their own hands the very flesh of the Son of God. And because of that, they knew that they had salvation. They knew they had forgiveness of sins. They had no reason to ever feel guilt anymore. They had peace of mind knowing that no matter what circumstances, they were a child of God and the Lord was taking care of them. At least for me and maybe for you, that can be something that we can easily take for granted. Um, I don't know about you. I've been a Christian my entire life. I've always known as far back as I can remember my Savior, and what he's done for me. And it can easily be something that we take for granted, where that joy can dissipate. Just as the joy of Christmas feels like it's dissipating right now, that joy of of our Savior feels like it can dissipate. And so I want to redirect your thoughts on Anna and Simeon, the joy that they had days after Christmas, that very first Christmas. It wasn't a joy that was ending. It was a joy that was just beginning. When we take the Lord's Supper, we do the very same thing that Simeon and Anna did. They had in their hands, they touched the very body of Christ. They put in there, and we put in our mouth the very body and blood of our Savior. And just as it gave them an understanding that they had peace with God, we have that same peace too, knowing that our sins are forgiven, that our God is watching over us. He made us a child of God. He continues to protect us regardless of what's going on in our life. I don't know how many of you know this, but today in Manhattan, it's it's a special day today. It's on the news this morning. It's called Good Riddance Day. Day when you can go into Manhattan, I'm not sure exactly where, um, I think around Times Square, and you can write on a piece of paper um, all the mistakes you made this past year, your frustrations, temptations, failings of this last year. You write it on there and you put it in a shredder and it gets shredded up. Right? So one day a year they hold that in Manhattan. But you see, that's what every day is like for you and me as Christians because of Christmas, our Savior. Came in this world, removed all of our sins for us. So, yes, Christmas is over, but the joy and peace that Christmas offers, it's not ending, it's not dissipating, it's only starting, it's only beginning. So, I pray that we never take for granted the joy and peace that we have because of our Savior, and I pray that we only grow in joy towards our Savior who died, who lived, died, and rose for us. Amen.